Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. I want to conclude what we ministered on last week. We chose to call this portion or this uh, sermon chosen. I guess I need to add the to make sure they pick us up. I said that's intentional because at the end of the day, when people are searching for the chosen, that maybe they'll come across the, our message. And there's a lot of misunderstanding concerning what we're talking about in the church today, um, definitely with the world. And so um, we just need to rightly divide this thing called lordship. Um, as you turn over to John chapter 6, verse 44, I um, want to let you know that this Friday is what they call Good Friday, right? Today is technically Palm Sunday, and I'm not preaching about palms today, nor am I preaching what leads up to that, okay? Uh, I'm not obligated to minister messages only based upon U.S. holiday traditions, okay? And I have found in the past that when Easter Sunday comes, we like to call it Resurrection Sunday, that there are a lot of people who basically come to service that day. And so they hear the same message. And the Lord's like, they've heard this, preach something else. Um, because typically they may not show up again until the following year. So we don't want them to be accustomed to one message, right? Because I've found that even Christmas is not as big of a service as Easter. Because, you know, school break and people traveling. But Easter, there's really no holiday. It's just Sunday. And it's still within the fabric of our U.S. culture about going to church. Some of y'all are going to look really nice next week. You're going to dress up a little bit more. And I understand that's tradition. But you understand, I don't think that we're going to come to Jesus ultimately and again... The anointing's not in your clothes. I'm not saying that. But there is an attitude. I am saying that. And I know when I stand before the Lord, he's not going to let me show up in blue jeans. Okay. <clears throat> when we become present with the Lord, there's going to be a dress code. <laughs> At the end of the day, <laughs> we're going to be wearing some very familiar clothing, meaning your neighbor's going to look a lot like you. <laughs> at the end of the day. And the garments are white. Some of y'all look really good in white. Some of us need to tan more so we look better in white. Because some of you, when you wear white, we can't know where the clothing stops. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But uh, on Good Friday, I have been invited again this year to go to St. Paul AME Church and minister for Good Friday. And so they have ministers come and do the seven last words of Jesus. And um, uh, last year, I think I had the saying where he says, son, behold your mother. And honestly, I was like, what am I going to preach out of that? <laughs> but the Lord gave me a word. And I had seven minutes to preach it, and it's the first message I preached with an organ behind, and we blew the house up. It was amazing. This year, they said, Pastor, we want you to close it. So I'm going to close it. So I want to encourage you. If you have lunch available, it starts at noon on Friday. You can come downtown to St. Paul AME, and we're going to preach the house. Amen. I'm really excited about being able to minister there. And so I want to encourage you to come out if you can. All right. We're just, you know, joining with the body. Amen. And we're doing our part. Amen. Okay. John chapter 6, verse 44. We're talking about chosen. Uh, it says this. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. I will raise him up on the last day. John 6, 44. This is a couple of key texts we have. And understanding God's kingdom lordship says no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. So unless a drawing occurs, you cannot come. 
which means you must be invited. Which means an invitation is appointed for a time. And you need to answer that. All right. Now, we know the scripture says today is the day of salvation. Right. But we could also say it this way. Today is somebody's birthday. And there's 7.9 billion people in the planet that there's more than one person born on April the 2nd. One person who's born today is Dr. Gee Pei. Anybody know who Dr. Gee Pei is? Who's been minister with us? Today's his birthday. So you can go find him on your Facebook, Instagram, or WhatsApp and wish him a happy birthday. I've already done so. Today's his day, the day that God released him in the earth, physically seen from his mother's womb. Now, he was in the earth prior to that. Because God knew him before he was in his mama's womb. But once he got in the womb, he was in the earth. We just didn't see him. He was behind a veil called the woman's womb. He was alive. He was there. And he was listening. Because any time that I get around any child that was born at Anchor Faith Church, once they come out of the womb and I walk in to the hospital or they come to the church, when I start talking, their head starts moving because mama's been in church and that child has heard my voice preach. No doubt, they know my voice. Just like they will know a mom's voice, they'll know a dad's voice. They know that voice. Are you hearing me? And so today is somebody's birthday, but it's not everybody's birthday. So when we say the day is the day of salvation, why? Because God's inviting someone, but he's not inviting everybody yet. See, there's this misconception with us that God's inviting daily. Everyone, but that's not true. He's not inviting everyone daily. For some, he's planting. For others, he's watering. And then there comes a day that he begins to invite. Now, the thing about inviting is that he will invite, but there'll come a point that the invitation can stop. Now, we don't talk about this a whole lot because the reality is, is we ultimately you know, um, believe that it just, it will continue forever. But the reality is people can harden their heart and God who is all knowing will know how many times he offered the invitation. They rejected it and walk away and not invite anymore. Well, we understand there are certain denominations because of that. Then they get into this context. They get into where they basically want to scare the hell out of you. And they want to admonish you in such a way, basically to try to say, you don't know if you'll die today, so you need to make sure. But you understand, it's not scaring someone that leads them to repentance. It's not the telling of hell that leads a person to repentance. In fact, the Bible says it is the goodness of God or the kindness of God that leads people actually to repentance. And sometimes some of the best things we can do when we know we're talking to someone who has not made Jesus Lord is to know how to talk and what to say and how far to carry the conversation and when to let go. Because God knows more than us. And if God says that's enough, say no more, then I don't want to say anything else. Because unfortunately, God has sent some of his laborers by to plant a seed, but some others have gone by unauthorized and have watered that seed so much they've drowned it from being able to produce. What you think gives life can kill it. Just water a plant too much. Now, water brings life unless you drown it. And we've got to have enough wisdom by the Holy Ghost to be able to say, you know what? We'll just stop right here. There's no more water necessary. Let that soak in for a while. Because at the end of the day, I don't have to be the one to close the deal. I'm concerned that many have said with their mouth, but their heart is far from them. And then we disconnected from people that still needed us to have an influence because we assumed they got it that day we prayed together. They just prayed with you because they were drowning. 
All right, just say amen anyway. In John chapter 12, verse 31 to 32, it says, Now judgment is upon this world, and now the ruler of this world will be cast out, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will what? Draw all men to myself. So no one can come into the kingdom of God unless God himself is in the process. He's part of the process. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, you can say, well, I'm doing it for God. Well, you are if you're led by the Spirit. Amen. Because we know that a believer can act outside the authorization of God. This can happen. This is why Paul wrote in Romans that those who are children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And he says that by unction of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knew that many come into the kingdom but then try to function in the kingdom without the Holy Spirit's leading. This is important because then we get the letter to the Galatian church where Paul is writing to them and he's actually having to rebuke them. How do we know? Because we get into the third chapter, verse 1, and he says, Who so easily bewitched you? He's talking to a church now. In essence, another translation says it this way. You're born again believers, but why do you have a spell cast in front of you? In essence, why did you pick up witchcraft? Why are you under the sway of witchcraft is really what he's saying. Now, we're talking people who are born again. And then he acknowledges, you started this thing in the spirit, but now you're working it out according to the flesh. Now, the flesh, by definition, just means doing God my way. I'm going to say that again. Doing God my way. Doing it my way, not his way, my way. And this is where a lot of times we get in trouble is that we have knowledge of God, but then we try to do God my way, not doing God his way. Two people can do the same thing that God says to do. One can be doing it righteously and another could be doing it unrighteously. And the difference is the condition of the heart or the motive of why they're doing it. One's doing God their way. The other one's doing God his way. This was the issue with the rich young ruler. By all rights, he's doing God's word. But God exposed it. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what did Jesus say? Why do you call me good? Only one's good. Now that's the key just in and of itself. Because what the rich young ruler didn't realize is that he was actually being the, de he's defining good and not letting God define good. All right. Even though he's doing God's stuff. So he says, you know the commandments and list a few of them. He says, keep them. He says, I've done that since my youth. Notice what Jesus didn't do. Jesus did not rebuke him. And say, no, you haven't. You're a liar. He did not say that. He says, yep, you have done my word according to your standard to, to, to try to live holy. I get it. He says, but there's one thing you lack. One thing. And it's the lordship test. In essence, he goes at him at his problem. He says, in essence, he's saying this. If you kept the commandments because I was saying keep the commandments, then do what I say now because if you're keeping the commandments because I'm the Lord of your life and that's why you're keeping them because I said it, here's what I say now. Sell everything you have, liquidate all your wealth, give it to the poor and come follow me. Now, this is not a problem if you're doing my commandments because I said so. But if you're doing my commandments so that I notice you and you're telling me I'm supposed to let you in my kingdom on your way of doing me, well, it's not going to happen. And the rich young ruler dropped his head and left. And Jesus says, it's hard. It's hard. 
Now, it's not hard for a rich man who puts his trust in the Lord and doesn't put his trust in his riches because Paul deals with that later on. Tell the ones that are rich to not put their trust in their wealth. So the rich is not the issue. It's the trust. And that's what Jesus was identifying. This guy has put more trust in the other God than in me. But he's using me to try to get my acknowledgement. Are you hearing me? So again, to live by the flesh as a born again believer is to do God your way. And everyone in this room and at the sound of my voice is subject still to that type of living. We have to be conscientious or um, conscious is the word. We have to be conscious that we are not living God our way, but his way. Amen. All right. Just shout like a kindergartner. So, uh, just to bring us up to speed a little bit so I can close us out. Jesus said this, because this is really important. In John chapter 15, a little bit of review from last week, starting in verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, I'll give it to you. All right? Then he goes to verse 17. And this I command you that you love one another. Now, that's not a problem to be commanded by God because he's Lord. So again, you don't have the option. I mean, you have the option, right? You have the option to do what you want to do, but God will hold you accountable to whatever you do. Because the minute he gives you a command or a word, something to follow, you're obligated and he's obligated, which means he will judge you according to that word now. So if you know that you're supposed to love one another, then you're going to have to love one another. I said, you're going to have to love one another. You can't hold a grudge. You can't walk in unforgiveness. You can't hold an offense. You can't do it if he's Lord. Now you can do it if you want to walk according to your flesh and you define how you follow God. But if you're going to follow God the way he defines, he says, now listen, I chose you. You didn't choose me. So don't think you can sit in church and be upset with one of your brothers. And I'm just going to let it go and act like we tight because I'm your personal savior. I personally saved you, but I'm not your personal savior. Oh, you need to hear that. God personally saved you, but he's not your personal savior, meaning he's not obligated to only spend time with you. Nor is he looking just to spend time with you. He's saying, welcome to the family. Now get along with your brothers and sisters like I do because I love the whole family. You're not going to pull me over to the side because you're not my favorite son. <laughs> I don't have a special assignment for you. I mean, if we're going to go there, everyone's special. Amen. I have an assignment for you, but you're not more special than your brother over here, your sister over here. Welcome to the family. And again, if you're loving me, you're going to love them because if you ain't loving them, then we got conflict. This is how I define living for me. <laughs> this is how we begin to deal with the Lordship. But again, he said, listen, I chose you. Aren't you glad you've been chosen? Yes. Which means he personally, everyone in this room who have, who have believed in their heart and confessed with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he came as God in the flesh, died on the cross, and on the third day was raised from the dead. He took his blood that was without spot or blame, poured it on the mercy seat in heaven and gave you an entrance into his kingdom. That if you would call, he's already made the way, but you have to do something. I said, love made the way, but you have to do something. You have to believe, you have to confess. And the salvation that you receive comes by way of lordship, not by way of, I don't want to go to hell when I die. Amen. This is not a confession of, I don't want to go to hell when I die. 
Jesus, I'll take your blood because I don't want to go to hell when I die. That's not the salvation. Salvation is your Lord. Now, the thing about Lord is Lord is actually not a religious word at all. And as long as we continue to say Jesus is Lord, but there's religion assigned to it, well, then guess what? All religion is you defining God. If we want to just go ahead and rip religion down to its bare truth, it is you defining God. That's religion. This is God to me, and this is how I worship. And it gives me access. That's religion. Period. And Jesus is Lord, and it's not a religious word. It is position. We could call it title. It literally means supreme in authority. Now, what does supreme mean? Supreme means first. It means number one. And did Jesus talk about things like him being first? Sure. He says, you're going to love me. How? With all your heart, not with half of it, not with the leftovers. You're going to love me with all your heart, but not just your heart. With all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I want your emotions. I want your intellect. I want you to yield your will. I even want your physical strength. I don't want you giving your body to work 40 or 50 hours a week and then tell me you're too tired to come fellowship with me on a Sunday. Because it would be better for you to quit your job and be in church and have a real relationship with the Lordship than it is for you to work outside and become broke having money in the bank. Because I can tell you, if you'll follow the Lord, you'll get position. You'll have a job because you'll realize this is not who I am. This is where I get to demonstrate the kingdom. Are you hearing me? And so supreme is first. What did he say? He says, seek. Seek. Maybe if you have time after all of the games you're taking your children to for practice. Now, I am not against any of those as long as you keep things in priority. God has nothing wrong with your children playing sport. In fact, I get real excited when I see uh, youth and young people in our church that are playing and they have a game on Wednesday night. It filters into service. But then when I look up towards the end, they're standing in the back. They came straight here from the game. Their parents had enough understanding that even though we may be late, we're not missing. That's huge. Instead of, well, we had a game, you know, we'll just pick it up later. I mean, because, you know, Jesus is our homeboy. He's my buddy. He's my personal savior. He understands that my child played a big game today and he's got homework. And, you know, the school system's more important. Okay, y'all doing all right? (laughs) Go ahead and smile anyway. I mean, I only say it like this because it does identify lordship. I mean, I, you know, I was praying before service. I was over, I said, now, Lord, you know, I'm going to talk about lordship today. And you know, I can get really heavy in the room, you know, because when you really start revealing true lordship, you know, it, it identifies where people are at. So help me be anointed to present it such a way so that people will be passionate about, that's easy, I want that. Because I can't candy coat God's requirement. That's the challenge. I can't candy coat it. Again, I'm not saying your kids can't be in athletics. I can't, I'm not saying that take your kids out of school and homeschool. I'm not saying, I'm saying Always keep the things of God priority. That way, when it's all said and done, when you look at your child or you look at your employer and you say, now, listen, I I work over here. But at the end of the day, if this is going to be the total assignment, I'll believe God to leave this place because God would not want me to be out of church. 
You may be a season being out, but you can believe God. And why don't we exercise our faith for that? Where God can get you into the place you're getting fed, where you can become an asset more so in serving. Because if you'll do the things of the kingdom first, then he'll expand everything you'll ever do. You can be honest with your children and say, now listen, I, I'll take you to practice. I have no problem. But don't ever tell me you're too tired for church because if you get tell me you're too tired for church, then we'll just quit playing ball. Because that baseball didn't die for you. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I was watching an ESPN commercial uh, yesterday. And man, they are selling sports like it's the church. No, Seriously. They're talking about all these coaches help change character. I mean, they had great, I'm, and I'm reading that, I'm like, geez, that's the best church advertisement I've ever heard in my life. So one whole sector of society called athletics is basically saying that we can do what the church was supposed to do. Now, that doesn't mean coaches aren't born again and doing it. I'm not saying that. But if a coach thinks they can replace a pastor... There's a problem. It's because we don't know what Jesus has said about the church. Hallelujah. So with that being said, there's a principle of lordship, and that is all true kings are personally legal owners of property, territory, or domain. In other words, they are lord because they are owners. With that being said, I want to turn over and take you to this passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. For Jesus to be Lord, supreme, first, in authority, meaning he should be given the right to determine the results. Number one, he's love anyway, and he always does what he says. Amen. So I want to hear what he says about me. Because to follow what he says means my, I have life and life more abundantly. Amen. Period. No weapon formed against me would be able to prosper. I will be up underneath him. He's like a mother hen that I get up underneath her, her brood. I am, he is a strong tower that I run into. I mean, it's so easy for me to say, yes, Father, whatever you say, I'll do it in the name of Jesus. I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus. Absolutely. And so when we call him Lord, because we've made that a religious term, we've made Jesus even a religious figure, and we define him through our current government, although our current government is being communicated in a direction that it is not originally, but we have in our psyche democracy, and that is freedom of choice. And you do have a freedom of choice as a free will moral agent, but God has things he said we are to do and to choose against that is death. But we kind of pick and choose what we want. We pick and choose how often we engage God. We pick and choose how often we read the Bible. We pick and choose how, uh, how we define regular attendance, how we define commitment to the Lord. At the end of the day, and then we argue about don't don't you quit. Don't judge me. On, I'm not going to judge you about your relationship with Jesus, but I will hold your actions and behavior accountable to the word. And if you're saying you're something you're not, I'm going to say that John the Baptist was bold enough to tell the religious Pharisees, keep alive in repentance. I mean, you are to keep if you're not keeping a life in repentance then you've not really repented. So you can tell everybody all day long how to live for God. Even Jesus said, do what the Pharisees say, but don't do what they do. They are not your example. But they do have whole words of life. He did that. Now, as a believer, I can judge a person's fruit. That I can do. In fact, I am commissioned. As saints, we're commissioned to do that. But look what it says here, since he's Lord, because Lord is not a religious word. It says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in, is in, how'd he get in there? <laughs> I said, how'd he get in there? 
is because you called on the name of the Lord. He took the old man that was dead in its trespasses of sin, evicted it out of this skin suit, then put a new creature in Christ in the image of God, in the image of the king, a king of the king. Then the Holy Ghost moved in and says, you're a child of God. Now let's operate like one, let's act like one, let's behave like one, let's live like one. And because you are the little king of the king, you are to do what the king says. Because you said he was Lord. He goes on whom you have from God and that you are not, that you are what? Not, not your, say I'm not my own. Say I'm not my own. I'm not my own, which means you don't have the right to tell yourself stuff. Now, I'm not talking about putting your clothes on. Father, what am I to wear today? And the, your job called and said, where are you at? The Holy Ghost didn't tell me what to wear, so I went leave. I'm naked in the house. I have no idea. <laughs> are you hearing me? There are some things that you know you are to put clothes on. We know that, right? Now, the Lord may tell you something not to wear. That can be a true statement. Sometimes, some issues of life, it's not asking him what to do. It's being sensitive to hear him not tell us to, do, to not do something. Okay? At the end of the day. So I'm not trying to get us to be this super, you know, wacky spiritual, which is not real spirituality that you can't, do I comb my hair to the side today or do I part it down? I mean, seriously, that's not what we're talking about here, but we are talking about things concerning scripture, the word and being sensitive enough, even to the fact that if the Lord did say, don't wear that today, you would be, or he would say, I want you to put this on today. You know what? You've never done that, but you know what? At your word. Just like Peter. Peter, by all rights, God don't care about your net. You're a fisherman. Put it out. But in this case, when they did not get anything, Jesus says, go on back out there and throw your net on the other side of the boat. Now, I'll never forget. When I heard that, I'm like, how is that even possible? In one sense, you know? I mean, they go out, if they're letting down on the right or the left, they're letting out, right? They're on this side. Then they turn the ship around and they're coming back to sh I mean, technically they're on the other side. So I know he said, let your net on the other side. That's not the issue. The issue is, but at your word. Now, Peter had no problem with facts. He said, Lord, we have fished all night. Seriously? I mean, your dad was a carpenter, you do good work, but we're fishermen at the end of the day. I mean, Peter has this discourse. I mean, his whole comment was basically to say, at the end of the day, we're the professionals. We are the experts. Be careful with that word. We are the experts. And um, we've done this all night. So at the end of the day, but, but that's your word. And man, if you just do it at your word, which means sometimes God to just break up your routine just to test. Are you listening? And am I Lord? Am I Lord? Amen. I remember one time in my personal life, the Lord said to me, I was driving. I had a Jeep Wrangler at the time and I had an IBC root beer. Some of you've heard me say this. Some of you haven't I had an IBC root beer. I drank root beer at a time. I do not drink root beer anymore because honestly, it's just too sweet for me. But at the time, it wasn't as much. And so, and, but I am a glass bottle junkie, okay? Can I just say that? I love the glass bottle. I'm still not happy with Coke and Pepsi to go to plastic. It's not the same. So I gravitate to glass. Now there's, you know, certain, you know, um, um, liquid substances that are in glass all the time, but I don't drink those things because I got to keep my mind sober. I don't let it get off, Okay. Um, I'm by all rights a Nazarite because I'm born again and I don't let anything enter my system that messes with my mind. Okay. Cause I remember the first time I did that, it only took a few sips. So if anybody's bragging about an amount of consumption that tells me they've allowed their alcohol blood level to get to a place 
And by all rights, when you first started, it messed with your mind then, but now it doesn't mess with it, which means you're closer to being an alcoholic than you are a social drinker. Anyway, <laughs> root beer was in glass bottles. And so I liked drinking out of glass bottles. And I was drinking in town. I don't remember exactly where I was at. I was at um, Bell's Outlet, the light there on 312, going towards to go over the bridge. I was stopped at that light and I was drinking this freezing cold, sweat going down the glass bottle, IBC root beer. As it just went down the back of my throat, man, I could just feel it tingle. And then I heard the Holy Ghost say, don't ever drink root beer in public again. He told me that. It's like, what? I didn't pick it up. I drove home, dumped it out because it wasn't cold by then. <laughs> dumped it out. Well, what I didn't realize is that there's an epidemic with pastors drinking alcohol on their staffs today. And the Lord didn't want me associated with that. Because now people have videos and they love to take you out of context. And unfortunately, that bottle from a distance can look like a different bottle. I mean, we're already accused of bringing illegal aliens to our mall all the time now. <clears throat> saw, them, saw them yesterday. Now, they are not illegal. They are immigrant workers that are working in the field and coming to the bank to cash their checks. But they just bring them on a bus. But people are filming and driving around and saying that apparently we're bringing them from Mexico, guys. It's just not true. It's the crazy stuff. And the Lord didn't want me posted on a bunch of social media somewhere. In fact, I, it, it, we do some stuff. When I do sparkling water, because it's in a glass bottle, a lot of times a restaurant will want to bring me a glass that looks like a wine glass. Why? Why do I have to have sparkling water in a wine glass? Now, I can drink out of it as long as you leave the bottle there, that I always turn the label out. I'm serious. I don't play. I flee the appearance of evil. I love my God too much. I'm going to be too holy at the end of the day. But a lot of times I'm like, you know what? Can, you just, can we get some regular glasses? Now, then they'll send the little bitty ones, you know, that they put, you know, liquor in, you know. So you're like, hey, you know, I'm having sparkling water on the rocks now with a twist of lemon, a lime. Okay. Anyway, you do the best you can. My point is, my life's not my own. And I'm not telling you not to drink root beer in public. You got to do what God tells you to do. I'm doing what God's told me to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But my point is, I'm not my own. And because I'm not my own, my wife coined the best phrase. Thank you. This was amazing. I'm telling this. I'm, I'm trying not to tell stories of my wife. My wife's like, nothing's safe with you. True, but this is okay. This one's okay. I said, um, what do you want to do for a vacation this year? She said, I just want to stay home. Really? I mean, you don't want to go somewhere, cruise, something? I mean, let's do something. She goes, no. She goes, because we do a bunch of go-k's now. You know what a go-k is? Go into all the world. We're traveling on a mission. She said, our travel is on the go. So we're on the go now so much that I just want to stay. Isn't that amazing? I'm like, a go-ke. I like that. I like that. I'm going to go on go-cation. Some of y'all need to go on go-cation. need to go on a mission trip with us. Instead of trying to get a vacation, go on a go-cation. You'll be amazed what it does. That was so good. We're going to make t-shirts. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But here's the reality. My life's not my own. There came a day that I looked at my wife and I says, I got to ask God if we can be off. Because nowhere in scripture that says the kingdom of God 
is a nine to five job. I'm meddling now, but that's all right. Is a nine to five job with good health care and a retirement plan so that once you kind of get to a particular place, you can retire and then you live whatever you do, whatever you want to do off the money you made during the time you were working. And somewhere along the line, if God's included, that's great. Because at least you've asked him to come into your heart and save you because when you die after retirement, which most people do very quickly, you'll go to heaven. That is not why Jesus came. So you're not your own. Go ahead and look to your neighbor and say, you're not your own. And I have found that the more I allow God to actually be Lord, the greater my life is. And the more I discover myself, the more freedom I actually have, the more power shows up, the more protection manifests. It's amazing. Then in verse 20 says, for you have been bought with a price. Now I understand that it doesn't financially cost us anything to be born again. I understand that the gift is freely given to us. I understand that. But it still cost. In fact, it cost Jesus. Now, the question is why? Let's answer this question real quick. Why? Because the father said in the book of beginnings, let us make man in our image, Genesis 126, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have rule or dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over all the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, over all the earth. Let male and female both have dominion. This is God's plan for man. This is how God wants man to be. And so man, he takes this man named Adam, right? Which he puts him in the garden. He, breathe, he builds out of the skin suit or dirt suit. He breathes into this dirt suit, uh, uh, a soul and spirit, and he becomes a living being and he's alive. He's like God, no sin, just like the DNA of God. He's not God himself, but he is in the likeness of God. In essence, he's the little king of the earth, and God is the king of everything. And through that relationship, Adam is ruling here as God rules all creation. Are you hearing me? So he tells this uh, son of his, he said, now, Adam, you can eat from any tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day you eat, you will surely die. Okay. So we are introduced to a thing called death. Death exists only if acted upon. It exists in this realm only if acted upon. Death exists because in another realm, death has occurred. Are you hearing me? Because there's a guy by the name of Lucifer, we call him the devil, he's already rebelled against God's word. And when you do not do God's word, it's death. Adam did not do God's word, it opened up death. Death occurred because an action occurred. The action, Romans 5, 5 says it this way, through one man's transgression... Sin. Now, what is sin? Sin is simply disobeying God at his word. Doing the opposite. Are you hearing me? Romans tells us that sin has a wage. A wage. And again, because we made the Bible religious, we don't think in these terms, but the reality is Jesus came for a financial transaction. Because a payment was owed because the father spoke and said, if this occurs, death occurs. And death comes because it's actually a wage of sin. But I can pay that weight. I can pay it. Now, we can't pay it, but God can pay it. So God says to his son, son, I'm going to have to make payment. In order for man to be redeemed, 
let's go back a step. For, in order for man to be born again, I'll first have to redeem him. I'm going to have to pay a price. That's why 1 Corinthians 6 says that we've been bought with a? Price. With a what? Price. With a what? Price. With a what? Price. With a what? If he didn't pay a price for you, then you're not bought. Now, let's think about buying. Can you bring me your water here? Buying means I own it. <laughs> Did you buy this? I mean, it wasn't a trick question. <laughs> I needed to know because the water by Pastor Marcy, I bought. And we distribute water to areas of service. So I wasn't sure if this came from the usher's closet that ultimately I bought. <laughs> but you purchased it. Thank you. <sighs> With that being said... <laughs> Andrew then, what store did you go to? Okay, Costco. He went to Costco, which means this was not a single serving. He went to Costco, which would never be a single serving at Andrew's house anyway. <laughs> he has an army there. So I understand how this works. So, in essence, then, let's play this back. Imagine this with a lot of other bottles that Andrew put on a, um, you know, at the cashier. All these were here. She went through and hit a little barcode of that case of water. It has a price. At this point, Costco has dominion of the water. They rule it. They can tell it where to be in the store. Are you hearing me? The water doesn't tell the owner where it goes on what aisle. The owner determines where the water goes and the owner determines its price. Okay. So with that being said, the owner then tells Andrew, this is the price. Now, if he wants to become Lord of the Zephyr here bottle, he's going to have to pay a price. Now, the water is paying no price. The water is just leaving one ruler to an is leaving one ruler to go to another ruler. Yes. It's not paying a price, but a price is being paid. Yes. The minute he pulls out the amount and gives the exchange, now that case of water by all rights is under his authority. And this is what we want Jesus to do to us. We want Jesus to come to the store. We want him to come to devil's territory. We want him to pick us up out of the devil's territory, come and go through the cross, the blood, and pay the price. And, but the minute he gets to the blood, the cross, he, we want him to set us down at the cross where the payment's made, and he goes on but leaves us there. In essence, he leaves us just outside the door of the kingdom of darkness. Oh, you don't. The cross is the door between darkness and light. And so what we want is we want him to buy us, but he, we want him to leave us at the cross where we don't actually get used by him. We don't actually want him telling us what to do. We want us to leave us there and then wait for the sweet by and by. When the reality is Jesus bought and paid for you, he wants to take you home to his kingdom. Where then he has the right to put you in a refrigerator, put you on a shelf. He has the right to distribute you to whomever he wants to because you are not the one calling the shot. He is. Why? Because he paid for you. 
So a lot of times when we have guests show up, here you go, we have water that we bring to a particular room that is available for the, the guest ministers. And that means all those waters are saying, today I've been chosen to be used of God, to be here to quench someone's thirst should they have need of it. And you know what? I brought bottles and they set through a whole service and they never got open, never got drank, and we put them on the shelf and waited for the next time. But some of them say, oh, today's my day. The Lord used me. And they began to refresh somebody. They didn't say, don't drink me. I want to be used for the next minister. Put me back under the shelf. I don't ever want to come out of this water, this, this protective layer of plastic. <laughs> no, we are to be used. And we have to get revelation that lordship means dad owns me. And that's not negative. That's thank God he owns me. Thank God he purchased it. He bought me. I'm not my own. And I want to be used of God. And to be used of God, you got to let him call the shots. Praise the Lord. Can I close down with a few different things and we'll go. Praise the Lord. He said this, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold, but, with a, but your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, from your precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. The New Living says it this way, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors, and the ransom was paid, uh, he paid was not mere gold or silver, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. The message says it this way. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb. When we call him Lord, we can't call him Lord and then choose... Uh, maintain options we cannot say he's lord of my life and then say i'll do what i want because you don't want lord you want a savior you want to get out of hell free card you want you want to i don't want to go to hell because of my wrongdoing card not a i'm not the hell's not even my concern next week for easter i'm going to Show you in the word, Jesus' number one concern. What he did not actually want to face. What he didn't want to face. We're going to talk about it next week. Amen. Are you hearing me? Amen. And here we are. We want to just not be in trouble for our wrongdoing, but we still want to do our own stuff. And the Lord's going to have conflict with this because he's commissioned that we live in such a way to show for sure that we are, he's Lord of our lives. First Peter 1, 14 through 16 says it this way, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were in your ignorance, but be like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. Also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. The word holy just means separated unto God. It means separated unto God. So you came out of a place to be with someone, to be to come to something, to engage in an activity, a lifestyle, a behavior. His death, burial, and resurrection was not a, I don't want you to go to prison. His death, burial, and resurrection was, I want you back in the position God always intended you to be, and that was a son who obeyed and maintained life. And when Jesus becomes really Lord, then Sunday morning's not a debate. Sunday morning is a planned, concentrated action. A um, intentional moment. Now, you know what this intentional moment looks like because you do it on Monday. 
You set your alarm. Oh, I, okay. So who's really Lord? Monday morning or Sunday? Because at the end of the day, all of us have time off. I get it. We have vacation time, sick leave. But you don't have any time you want time off. But we do this with the Lord. Sometimes I wish the Lord would actually give you sick leave. I'm glad you joined my church. You are allowed, you're authorized this many absences from service. And I'll still bless your life. But once you get there, it's without pay. Well, what would it look like a day without pay? Without grace? Without favor? Without mercy? Without protection? Oh, you don't. <laughs> but he doesn't work like that. Why? Because he's not a negotiator. Jesus did not negotiate you. Oh, you. Jesus did not go to the devil and say, okay, you got dominion. I got it. I see it, right? Adam gave it to you. Even, I mean, he admitted to Jesus he got it from Adam. He said, look at all this domain. It was given to me. Jesus like, yeah, I know. Adam gave it to you. I got it. He said, I'll give it to you. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's negotiate. Let's negotiate. You know, I understand that the wages of sin is death. And dad says, it's going to cost me my life. But can we negotiate? Oh, I want to drop this price a little bit. I don't think these humans are really worth all that. I was kicking the tires the other day around a couple of them, man. They ain't worth that. They beat up, beat down. Oh, come on. Right? I mean, these people are wore out. I mean, I'm really not getting a good deal here. I mean, because the men like bomb, I got to put a brand new engine in. I mean, it's, the engine's no good. I mean, they're not even functioning. I mean, they're dead as dead. I mean, they're dead. And I got to put something alive. I got to put a brand new engine in them. Got to give them some power. And then I got to restore for the rest of their life, their mind. I mean, I'd be overhauling them their whole existence. So let's talk price. How about that? No, the father says, Son, we're going to pay full price. Amen. We're not negotiating. Full price is you. Because they're worth it. And this is why, not they're worth it. My word is worth it. And it'll give them access. Now, ain't all I'm coming. Which means you're going to pour out your blood for payments for people's lives that will still not take it. By all rights, it will seem like a wasted investment. You will not get the return. You're not going to get the return on this investment. Think about that now for a moment. Jesus pours out his blood for all mankind. Yet the Bible says hell's mouth is ever widening. Jesus himself says, wide is the gate that leads to death and destruction. And many are going into it. And I'm paying the price for them, and I don't even get them. But narrow is the gate that leads to life. And few find it. But how do you find it? He bought me. He paid for me. He laid his life down for me. He made a financial transaction, paid in full for me. He paid in full for me. How in the world am I going to negotiate with my Lord and say, can I give you a couple of Sundays? Can I give you a, about five minutes of prayer? Can I give you a devotion on Saturday? Can I just have time with you? Isn't that enough? Seriously, you want me to come to church how often? You've assigned me to what church? You, you want me to be where? You want me to do what? But if he's Lord, this is what this sounds like. Sure, I'll do that. 
Yeah, I'm going to do that. Sure, I'll do that. Yes, I'm getting up. Your body says, you tired. Shut up. I'm getting up because I got blood that's been paid for me. My body's not my own. I'm going to do this thing. They called the corporate prayer Tuesday morning. I'm there. They called corporate prayer Thursday morning. I'm there. It doesn't hinder my schedule. I'm showing up. Yeah, I'm going to suffer a little bit in sleep, but my God's able to give me rest beyond my capacity. Sure, he said to get there at corporate prayer at, at 930. Then he told me to stay in service. Then he told me to uh, go to Kingdom Institute. Then he asked me to serve here, which means I got to make that. But it's okay. Why? Because it's first. It's life. It's life. He paid for me. He bought me. He bought, paid for me. He poured his blood out for me. I mean, he made a transaction. And I will not be a squandered part of my Lord. I value him. Because the price was great. And I'm going to obey. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to do what he says. Because he's Lord. Because I'll never be in the names of Luke 6, 44. I'll never be in the list of the names of Luke 6, 44. When Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? He said, go and make disciples. Guess what he said to you before you even came in? You're going to have to study me in order to live for me. I'm not just giving you conversion. It was never the goal. The goal was never to be born again. I'm going to say it again. The goal was never to be born again. The goal was to become a child of God who fulfills their destiny and follow the Lord for eternity. We want God to pay for us and leave us in the store. If Andrew buys that water, takes it outside Costco, and sets it on the ground, two things are going to happen. Although he's the legal owner, either someone sees him do it, recognizes that he purchased it because he saw him in line, hangs out and watches him leave, waits long enough to see if he comes back, and then picks up the water and takes it. And uses it in places it was never authorized. Or no one touches it and it's time to close Costco and an employee steps out and sees. And I'll even go further. He leaves the receipt on it. Proves that it's been paid for. And they pick it up and they bring it right back in the store to be under the authority of the store once again that it's already been purchased to not be there. And there's many who say, Jesus saved me, but they don't want to leave the store. They just want to get right outside it. And I'm telling you, the enemy is going to pick you back up and bring you back in the store. even though there's a receipt that says you've been paid for. Because if he's only savior, then lordship is optional. And you'll figure out how to tell God how he is supposed to accept you and your behavior today. I believe we're raising up people in his church that he's building that say I will not be in the line where my king says why do you call me Lord Lord and don't do what I say I'm not getting in that line because I'm not my own
Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com.